When thinking about pop music in the 2000s, there are a few staple tracks that come to mind. Some might say Oops I Did It Again by Britney Spears. Some may think In the Club by 50 Cent. But I'm almost certain that majority of people will think of Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. The song, along with the album that it came from, has grown a true legacy over the years. This week, we take a look at the debut album by British singer Natasha Bedingfield. So sit back, relax, open your notebook, and take out your pen because the rest is still unwritten. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Planet 2000s podcast. I am Michael Kadosh. This week, I told you guys, it is a week for the Brits. For the Brits, darling. (laughs) I just had my Craig David episode, and I hope you guys tuned in for that. If you haven't, make sure to listen to that. You can listen to it after this one if you want to, but... This is a week for the Brits, so we are doing Natasha Bedingfield as well. My British accent isn't exactly the best. It's it's okay, darling. No, it's terrible. But I try to be festive with it. What do you want? All right, you guys. So down to the album, Natasha Bedingfield, Unwritten. Unwritten is the debut studio album by British singer Natasha Bedingfield. It got its European release on September 6, 2004, and a North American release on August 2nd, 2005. If you guys heard my Craig David episode, and if you haven't, I'm going to give you the same spiel again. It was such a common promotional tactic back in the 2000s the 90s and 80s. Uh, basically pre-streaming that if an artist was international, so international means outside of North America or even outside of the USA, let's be honest, because even Canadian artists couldn't really crack it in, in America always. They would put out their music in their country and maybe in their continents, let's say London and then Europe, and they'd get big there. And if only if they had enough success there would American labels try to crack it and bring them into America because there was no streaming, there was no YouTube, there was no way for people to see these artists that weren't being put out by radio stations and MTV, and that was only done through labels at the time. You know, such a different world in music. But all this to say is that is why a lot of these European artists had their music come out a year before in their country, and we only got it a year later. So in the case of Natasha Bedingfield, her album came out a full year later in America on August 2nd, 2005. Natasha had been writing songs and recording music for years before her big commercial debut. She actually had been composing songs for the Hillsong London Church, and her tracks actually appeared on a few Christian live albums. It was then that she caught the attention of Phono Records founder and A&R Gary Wilson in the UK, and although hesitant to sign Natasha to a full album deal, they decided to put her through a few trial sessions with producer and writer Steve Kipner, and the rest is history. She signed her deal in summer 2003, and alas, began work on her debut studio album. Um, I've just always loved music. My whole family is musical. People probably know my brother does music as well, and we just, like four kids in my family, we just grew up just doing music, and um, yeah, made an album and released it. <laughs> that works. Um, I started, uh, yeah, I start with songwriting. Okay. Uh, my whole family sings. It's very musical. A lot of people in my family are like, or friends, sorry, who, who, who do music. And so it was quite natural. But you went yeah. on to study psychology, right? I did. Why not music? Because I felt that I was writing songs at that point and I felt like there was a lack in, in what I was writing. I didn't want to just write anything, you know, like just any kind of words. I didn't really know what they meant. So I felt like maybe if I could study the human brain and and, and what goes on, maybe that would kind of help. Play into it. Yeah. It it has, indeed. Well, I quit after a year. It was kind of really showed me that we're all quite complex and I I really couldn't figure it out. So I went back to songwriting. There were four singles released from the album. Single, These Words, Unwritten, and I Bruce Easily, all of which were amazing hits. Single... 
single <laughs> was released as her debut single. No pun intended, you guys. It's just literally all the same word, okay? Single came out on May 3rd, 2004 in the UK, and it was released as the third single in the USA on April 24th, 2006. You know, it was different promotion. So this was the third single in America, but it was her debut single in the UK and Europe. As we said in the Craig David episode, majority of British acts who would cross over into America would receive a whole new rollout, usually the following year with different single choices or single orders most of the time. The track was written by Steve Kipner, Andrew Frampton, Wayne Wilkins, and Natasha herself. And the song is an empowerment anthem for all single people everywhere. Trust me, I need that. <laughs> Taking the shame away from it. Encouraging people and women, particularly in her case, to embrace the single life and in the words of Natasha, this is my current single status, my declaration of independence. Um, yeah, well, my, my music, uh, it, it got released and it blew up pretty quickly in England. And, um, you know, like my, my first single, single went number one in the first week. And yeah. uh, when I came to America, I think it was this big re realization of how little in England is as a country. And coming here, and it was, you know, every state is bigger than England. And then and so I had to just realize that I kind of had to travel around and yeah. do the do the circuit and pay my dues. First I was coming for just a few weeks and then I started to have some success, you know, just some bites, you know, uh, you just kind of throw your net out and yeah. you just start realizing, oh, okay, there's some interest here, you know, and um, I ended up staying for six months and just going around to radio stations and yeah. meeting people. and. The song had a high-budget music video directed by Jake Nava that premiered in March 2004 in the UK. It shows four separate sequences, including Natasha waking up, walking down the street, performing choreography, and at a party, living her best single life. The song did well on the charts, reaching number three in the UK and Scotland, number seven in Ireland, and reached a moderate number 57 on the US Billboard Hot 100 in summer 2006. These Words was released as the second official single from Natasha's album, Unwritten, on August 16th, 2004 in the UK, and May 9th, 2005 in North America, where it was released as her debut single there. So the way that I knew Natasha growing up was that These Words was the first single of Natasha and Benningfield. And it was written by Natasha, Steve Kipner, Andrew Frampton, Wayne Wilkins. It was pretty much the same team for the entire album. It is a pop and R&B track, and lyrically, the song is about Natasha's writer's block that she was experiencing while writing the lyrics for this album, along with feeling the pressure from the record label to write a hit song. Autobiographical much? Um, song about love, as you probably know. Um, you know, it's I, I co-wrote the song, um, it's about how simple love is and we make it quite complicated and uh, you know, I don't know, it's like you know when you're really in love with someone you want to impress them or something and I just felt like, you know what, I, if you really mean it, then you, still the words I love you are the most powerful words. So. Following the signing of her record deal in the summer of 2003, she made it very clear to the label that she would not be put into some music biz pigeonhole and wanted to make sure to write songs that were organic, different, and real. She began experiencing intense writer's block when trying to write for the album, especially after making a whole spiel about wanting to write organic music. According to the producers of the album, she just began singing I love you, I love you, I love you over and over, and then this went on to become the main course of the song and the topic of the song inspired by her real-life difficulty in writing a love song. We love an autobiographical moment. Songwriting is the thing that really uh, is actually the way that I started. Um, I had friends and we would get together after school and we would just write songs and it started off as just a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I became obsessed with it uh, because um, it's this, you get a little spark and you kind of carry it through 
and, and in the end, it's so satisfying when you've said through a song exactly what you wanted to say. And you can hide meanings in songs. Like, sure. It's like poetry, it's symbolic. So you could tell someone you like them without really telling them. You know, I used to do that with I know, uh, I'm jealous boyfriends. I used to send them poems. And they weren't. They didn't know if they were really boyfriends or not, you know, because it was kind of subtle. Oh, so it was a mystery thing. So I was keeping oh, them hanging a little, you know. <laughs> when did you start writing? Was it when you were you were what, like twelve? Seventeen, or young? I think. Seventeen. Yeah, I always wanted to write songs before then, but I kind of felt a bit locked up. And I looked okay. over my journal entries recently, and there's so many times, like since I was really young, and I'm just going, I want to write songs, and I can't. And my main problem was that I I wanted to, them to be perfect, and I would judge myself a lot you right. know and I guess when I was 17 as I just started to go look this is what I want to do and I started writing really even if there were stupid songs I would just write anything every day a little bit even if it was just half an hour or 15 minutes and um, eventually it's just like the, the skills started to come and the song was very well received by critics upon first listen with the BBC calling it a classic love song with a really catchy tune further stating that it was very worthy of reaching number one on the UK singles chart they were right it debuted at the top spot on the UK singles chart on August 22nd 2004 the song also reached the top spot in Ireland Poland and Scotland and it reached number two in Austria Germany, New Zealand, and Norway. It reached number three in Canada, and finally number 17 in the USA. But most importantly, it gave Natasha Bedingfield a name. This was a really big hit, so would she be able to follow up with an even bigger hit as her next single? Well, the answer is yes, baby. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. Unwritten, released as the third single from the album on November 29th, 2004 in the UK and as the second US single on October 17, 2005. Unwritten is not only the title track from the album, but it is widely considered to be Natasha's signature song. In fact, the song only recently just went viral again in 2021 due to TikTok. Just look up the Unwritten dance. It's quite iconic. Natasha did it on her own TikTok as well. People were just loving it. Also, she's got a great booty. <laughs> the song was written by Natasha Benningfield, Danielle Bribois, and Wayne Rodriguez. It is very notably also the theme song for MTV's 2000s iconic reality show, The Hills, starring Heidi Montag and Lauren Conrad, which allowed the song to live on for generations to come, but truly cemented the song as a 2000s classic. And it was also featured in a promotional campaign for Pantene Pro-V shampoo and conditioner. So get your coin, girl. There's so many things that have happened with Unwritten. Um, you know, first it was a radio hit and got was like the number one most played song on radio. Mm -hmm. And then The Hills picked it up as their theme song and you know this is just um it's such a a great thing as a songwriter to have your song connected with a show that's you know it was like the highest rated show that mtv has i yeah. think ever had and you know um just really perfect it's all the all the people that watch my or watch, watch my gigs and listen to my music, they yeah. also watch The Hills, so it was quite a perfect The song just took pairing there. a life mm -hmm. of its own mm -hmm. and, and when... Yeah, All right. and, wow. and Obama used it in his campaign as well, which, I mean, I, I couldn't be prouder of that. I wonder if that's what helped him win. Hmm. <laughs> I like to think so. The song lyrically talks about an uplifting message about the future and how you can't plan your life. 
You just have to go with the flow and feel the rain on your skin. The song is commonly used as a graduation celebration song for this reason. The song became the most played song on US radio in 2006 and is her most successful single in America alongside Pocketful of Sunshine. The song also earned Natasha a Grammy nomination at the 2007 Grammys for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. She lost the award, however, to Ain't No Other Man by Christina Aguilera. So, I mean, I'm not too unpleased about that because Christina deserved that Grammy. But hey, Natasha, congrats on the nomination. I think that's why Unwritten kind of took off so much because it's a very personal song. Um, yeah. You know, for me, you know, um, life can be, well, I think for most people, especially when you're a teenager, life is very scary because you don't know where to start. You know, it's like, oh, it feels like this, you're, you've got to make these huge decisions really right. young. That's definitely what Unwritten is. It, it definitely is a letter to your younger self. We wrote that song for my younger brother. Yeah. Um, he was 14. So it was just this thing of what would a 14 year old need to hear? As I've gone through life and as you know, I, I feel like the song has spoken back to me and reminded me of my own um, messages. Fear itself is crippling. It, it completely paralyzes you and doesn't let you actually tap into the inner wisdom that, that we all have. So I think trying not to let fear actually over overtake you is a that's always been great advice to myself. Funny enough, on the UK charts, it only reached number six in comparison to the first two singles released. However, internationally, it was no comparison. American audiences couldn't get enough of this song. It reached number five on the US Billboard Hot 100, number two on the US Pop Radio Charts, and number one on the US Adult Contemporary Radio Charts. And it was certified two times platinum in the USA for sales of over two million copies. It also reached number four in Canada and number eight in the Netherlands. I think it's safe to say this is Natasha's signature song and she knows it and she's proud of it. You go, girl. The fourth single from the album was I Bruise Easily, and it was the final single from the album. It was not released in America, receiving only a European release on April 4th, 2005, just before her big North American launch. The song was written by the same writing team as her previous hit singles from this album, and lyrically, the song explains how different relationships affect people, even when they have to come to an end, and how vulnerable they can make you. While recording, she had found it easier to compose songs that were melancholic rather than songs that were upbeat. And according to Natasha herself, the song is actually a love song because it's talking about vulnerability and the fact that the more you love someone, the more you have to open your heart, which means that you could get hurt. And the music video shows Natasha dressed as a geisha, which obviously, if that were done today, the whole cultural appropriation scandal probably would have ensued. But remember, this was the 2000s. You know, people and their savagery that they were up to was insanity. Anyway, it didn't quite match up with the success of the rest of the tracks on the album, but it did still managed to reach number 12 in the UK, so it was far from a failure of a single there. I'm sure North American audiences don't really know the song, but it's a beautiful one, so make sure to give it a listen, you guys. So I just wanted to take a minute to let you know about this amazing small business that I have been working with recently. They go by Jaden Collections and it's all kinds of fun little accessories. You got jewelry, graphic tees, stickers for your laptop. You can get some new trendy masks because we all know how the COVID's been going and just fun little trinkets for everyday life. Go to jadencollections.com. Jaden is spelled J-A-Y-D-E-N. And just for you guys, if you enter the code PLANET2000s on their website, you can get 20% off anything. So if you want to get some fun little earrings, some bracelets, some graphic tees, just enter the Planet 2000's code and you can get 20% off at Jaden Collections for a small town biz mama doing her thing and they are blowing up. Please go and support you guys. Thank you guys for listening to Planet 2000's. Back to the podcast.
The record received generally positive reviews from the critics. David Hooper from the BBC gave the album another positive review, writing that there's no denying this is a finely crafted number with bold, voluptuous harmonies. It's guaranteed to thrill, at least for the first 30 plays. Further, Hollow stated Unwritten is a textbook-quality pop album lifted by Natasha's strong voice, immaculate production, and some absolutely corking singles. Whether you like it or not, you won't be able to get those tunes out of your head. In terms of commercial performance, the album was very successful. In the UK, the album peaked at number one and was certified three times platinum in the region for sales of over one million copies. And just for reference, 300,000 copies is a platinum certification in the UK, so three times platinum is a million copies. In the USA, it peaked at number 26 and has been certified gold for sales of over 500,000 copies, bringing its worldwide sales of the album to sit around two, 2.5 million copies. So that's pretty great for her. Not something that really happens anymore. So a great congratulations to Natasha for all that success. And her legacy has lived on. Unwritten is one of the most recognizable songs of the 2000s to its point where it's 2021 and during quarantine people are still making up dances to it on TikTok and she's still getting so much love for it and you can play that song in a club and hundreds and thousands of people will sing every single word and that's what we call a classic and that's what I want to cover on this podcast I don't always want to do the obvious choices you know I love Britney Spears I love Mariah Carey Christina Aguilera the obvious queens but I also want to dive a little bit deeper at the people who maybe didn't have that success but still had enough success that they can look back and be like wow I had an incredible career we're about celebrating everybody here on this podcast you guys take this day and reminisce on Natasha Benningfield listen to the unwritten album you can also go listen to my other episode Craig David's Born to Do It that I dropped today you guys because it is Brits Week on Planet 2000s, darling. I hope you guys all enjoy it. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Michael Kadosh, Instagram at Planet 2000s, and let me know what you guys think of the episodes and who you want to hear me talk about. All right, you guys. I hope you guys have an amazing day. Bye.